Welcome to Kiana's Conversations. I'm delighted to welcome Sinead O'Brien, one of my colleagues at Kiana's, to be the first guest on the second series of podcasts. Sinead and I are going to be talking about the critical area of diversity and inclusion, and Sinead is going to draw upon her incredible experience in this area. I hope you enjoy it. So, hi Sinead. Um, can I, could I just actually kick off just by asking you just to introduce yourself, just briefly, uh, so that we're, we've got this for the record. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, Sinead O'Brien and I'm an independent consultant um, and I support businesses to think about their people strategy, HR matters and leadership coaching. So I've been doing some work with Kianas, particularly on the leadership development side. And I also do some other work on non-exec director uh, trust board work as well. And background, I before I became an independent consultant, I spent five years at a fantastic company called Allegis Group, which are a staffing and services business. So I was a, a director of people, and uh, that was a, a brilliant, brilliant role, predominantly all about culture and engagement and diversity. And I also worked for just over 10 years at PwC. So, um, yeah, all private sector background. Yeah. So, I mean, a fantastic background. And, and speaking, you know, as, as a colleague, it's an absolute joy to be working with you. And uh, the, the impact that you have on people is has to be seen to be believed. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this. And as we as as I've taught you my, my favourite Scottish word, uh, just we're going to have a good blather. Uh, this afternoon about about this notion of diversity and inclusion. Well, uh, also my favourite Scottish word, Tom. Right, so. good, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> so um, we, I'm, I'm uh, hopefully we're just going to have a conversation. I've got a number of questions that I'd like to ask you, but it's it's really much more of a dialogue. But let me start with a question. So you know, we talk about culture. Yeah. What would what would what would a place look like that had a a negative culture in terms of diversity and inclusion. What, what would that look like, or what does it look like? I think there's. I think. I think there's quite a few pieces to that, Don. I think the first thing. I think there's something to do with how people show up every day, and what I mean by that, <laughs> I don't mean necessarily in person. Given these days, obviously, yeah. a lot of things are online, but the attitude of people showing up every day and the sense of their want and enjoyment of showing up and coming to work every day versus not. And a negative culture has a significant impact on an individual and consequently a team because it, it spreads, right? Um, in terms of their their enjoyment and their engagement and ultimately you're starting to hit issues around productivity and therefore business performance so what does it look like it's I don't know it's not fun um it's it's got people who are you know moaning I don't mean that to be a derogatory term but you know people who always find things to complain about rather than see the positive 
and probably leaders who don't really know what to do to sort of change it. So it's not a good place uh, to be. It does not sound a good place. It does not sound a good place. So we're going to, we're over the course of this, I think we're going to try and tease out some of this. So, and that, this takes me to the idea that that many organisations have. They've got a, a diversity and inclusion champion who may or may not be the HR director or someone within the HR team. Um, mm. What have you got to say about that, that that potential strategy and potentially the over-reliance on a single individual? Yes, it's something that I've given quite a bit of thought to recently and have listened to some very articulate people speak about on, on webinars. You know, if we go back in, go back 20 odd years, maybe longer, I mean, certainly when I started working, I don't recall there being anyone whose full-time job it was, was, you know, to lead on inclusion and diversity in the workplace. So the evolution of that has been fantastic, where companies are, you know, paying director level individuals, if not board level in some some examples, um, you know, to, to truly dedicate and make a change in that business on all things diversity and inclusion. But where we are now is it is around over-reliance on this one figurehead, for want of a better word, because the problem is there are a whole leadership team who have gone, well, this person's got this, so we're going to roll out initiatives you know, and we're good. And I'm not saying all companies do that, far from it. There's some wonderful examples of where the leadership level, particularly on the board level, are all in. But for these inclusion and diversity topics and initiatives um, and for the change to truly happen, it's everyone's responsibility. But it has to have the sponsorship of all leaders. Otherwise, it's not going to make enough difference quickly enough. So the positives are that, you know, we have got to this place where it's an important role in an organisation, but it it, it has to be um, across a leadership team for it to truly, truly make a difference. So, so let's this this is fascinating area. So let's say as many organisations have, They've got they've got an individual, and I would agree with you that all too often people who pick up roles like this or other things like innovation, people can say, "Well, I can forget about that. Such and such has got this covered," and and I just continue as I have done before. So, how would a how would an organisation go about challenging that and changing that and getting that that broader ownership or sponsorship? Yeah, and and, and actually, I will give an example in a, in a minute of of where I maybe have felt disappointed in terms of a leader's um, dialogue around inclusion diversity linked to International Women's Day. So we maybe come back to that. But um, so I think this is about education. So every single one of us, um, and I, I, I think I continue to learn every single day on inclusion, diversity, equality, equity, belonging, and and 
trying to put myself in the shoes of others to really accelerate my learning because how I feel will be very different to how someone else feels. So I think if leaders can be vulnerable, like I have been um, when I was an HR director around, look, I don't know enough about um, this particular topic. I'd love to know more. How do I learn more? I think that would be a great start, number one. But the learning isn't just about reading a few articles. I think the best thing they can do is talk to their own people. So be vulnerable, go and have some conversations with the people in your organization and truly understand how do they feel in the workplace every single day. And you know, there's plenty of great ideas like reverse mentoring, which has been in place for quite some time, where um, a leader is mentored by someone less experienced in their organisation. By God, do they get a perspective by, by that happening. And then another great idea uh, that I think is really important is, is, is if one leader starts on that journey of, right, I have learned a lot about this particular topic, then they run um, a session with their peers to share what they have learned rather than the, I don't know, L&D person or the IND person coming to do that. So that those are a couple of thoughts that, um, and it's not going to happen overnight, right? <laughs> oh, no, no. But so, so, Go on, let, let's let's see. Um, I, I volunteered. Um, what does that conversation look like? How do I start that? What do I ask? What do I, you know, I'm in the room with another person. What what do I do? I'm used to issue, issuing instructions and and being the boss and not being vulnerable. So tell me about that conversation. What does it look like? What does it sound like? I I think it's no different to sort of how you would start a conversation you know, with, with, with anybody. I think we put, put this, this fear up about, you know, talking about subjects that might be a bit risky, but actually, you know, and obviously you would set a bit of context. I think, you know, if a leader was going to say, look, I want to spend time with my people to truly understand how they feel working in my team and in my part of the business. And, to do that I really want to explore more about your experience and they're setting out that framework and 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 also I would hope the vulnerability as to why they want to do it because they really want to see some change and make that sustainable and then I think you will find with different individuals some will will offer up I mean everything and other people will absolutely, you know, will absolutely and rightly so maybe be a bit more guarded. So it's less about having a list of, you know, I want to ask you about, do you feel included? It, it's not as um, direct as that. It's it's that exploratory dialogue over, a, you know, um, an hour or so just saying, look, what, how do you feel? Yeah every single day what makes you what makes you maybe feel uncomfortable or what makes you frustrated or you know it's those then you get a sense I really I really like I, the two words I'm picking up here is is this idea about feel how do people feel 
Uh, and then this other word, which I think is really interesting, which is to explore. And you're probably going into ground that you're, you're uncertain about. And I think, as you know, many leaders, that, that that's an uncomfortable place when they're supposed to know exactly where they're going. So um, I, I'm quite fascinated by that. And I, I think... I, I, and Don, just, so just while I'm thinking about it, just that vulnerability as well. So I'll give you an example of where I, I was vulnerable as a leader specifically on this so um, a few years ago when we were we there was um, a big shift to um, you know the the dialogue of um, he she and people being able to sort of say I want to be called a more gender gender neutral terminology yeah and you know I was very honest with one of the young guys in 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 the in the committee that we were talking this, to this about and saying, look, you're going to think I'm A, naive, B, you know, just who knows. But the reality is when I was educated, when I went through an education journey, at that point, it was always he and she. That was as simple as it got in terms of my learning. So I haven't been brought up to be more thoughtful around how it could be different so I said that's ha- that's as the baseline of why I need you to tell me so I think it's just being honest right yeah 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 no I I I, 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 th- I think it's really fascinating so I think we're going to pick up on this um as we go on but l- let me take you back to something that you said earlier around about you, you mentioned belonging and the yeah. link between inclusion and belonging and the whole idea of community can can you tell us a little bit more about why that is so important and particularly the downside where people don't don't feel like they belong yeah yes and I think when you listen and read more and more and discussions around diversity and inclusion uh, the word belonging is absolutely part of that now so um, simply put you just can't really talk about inclusion but talking about belonging um so i was on a i was on a a webinar recently where there were a group of panelists they were fantastic and they were talking about this and they they reminded us as an audience that you know the word inclusion is a verb and it's all about showing action um whereas belonging is very much more about feeling so can someone really f- say that they feel they belong in a culture or in a team or an environment if they are not feeling included? And I would say it's highly unlikely. So I, I strongly believe that the belonging can only exist when people, you know, when that inclusion is very, very present. So, um, and uh, look, I think the difficulty is is about the how conscious you are or maybe the to the I think I've talked about this um with you before Don you know from a personal perspective I don't think I was ever very conscious or put much importance on this feeling of belonging but actually when I reflect back I think it did exist I think I had strong feelings of belonging so and I just think to that extent some people will fit more and some people will be less conscious of it but 
the bottom line is I, I also think belonging is fostered through, you know, connections and that sense of community. And you can only have an, a community if, um, you know, there is an inclusive um, environment and, and behaviours around it. So what about those who might say, Maybe, maybe actually belonging might become less important, you know, if I'm working from home and I'm just on my screen, that sense of belonging that is, is less important. What would you have to say to someone that would argue that? I think we're at a, well, first of all, I would say that is um, not the case. Uh, I, I think for people to truly succeed in their role and to truly deliver their very best in a role, they have to feel part of something because that has a direct impact really on their commitment and their willingness to, when we need them to, go that extra mile to do things for the business. So, um, and actually I think we're in a very interesting moment in time where, you know, the pandemic has allowed this massive shift to everyone working from home and now the dialogue is about this hybrid model of sometimes in an office sometimes from home and I think the complication um, and the lack of simplicity now is that whereas a lot of companies were very used to the majority of their people always being very present and very visible therefore you know that sense of community it was very in your reach um and i think now ev everyone needs something different but ultimately we're all social social animals you know to different extents so i actually think leaders need to be more thoughtful around how else they can build a sense of community engage their people um remotely and it's just i don't know it's just things like you know, just don't rely on, you know, the Friday night quiz over Zoom anymore. You know, some people would possibly prefer to have a coffee morning over Zoom. So that it's, again, seek to understand and don't as a leader just just make the, the call on how to do it. You know, go and get some, I'd like get some opinion. I'd like to tease this out, though, feeling part of something. Yeah. Um, you know, it. it so you were talking about, and I think a lot of people are saying, you know, um, you know, we're missing that. We don't have people in at the office there. But do you think it's possible to create that sense of belonging actually totally remotely, actually never, never to actually be in the same room together? Is that can an organization do that? And and if so, how? I I I strongly believe they can. I mean, my <laughs> My example would absolutely be how you and I and um, our fellow colleagues across Kianis have have worked together. I mean, you know, you know, our reality is that we have never met <laughs> um, and um, other individuals across Kianis who I've been working with, we have never met. But, you know, we I feel that we've got a wonderful sense of community understanding thirst for learning um so tease tease out for me then if you and i, I i'm genuinely what are, what might be the three characteristics do you think that that actually create that bond that sense of could i would agree with you i would totally agree with you 
I, well, I think, do you know what? I do think it's something to do with we've all got a shared mutual interest, you know, so this whole topic of leadership yeah. is absolutely at the core of what we do and we are all passionate about that. So we have got that mutual piece. I then think because you have got a group of individuals with diverse backgrounds we are all coming in um you know there's that sense of equals I always I feel that it's exciting because we are still learning even though we're all experienced professionals you know to hear about someone else's ideas and experiences in uh, across this mutual topic that we are passionate about is very engaging and so I think we listen I think we applaud in you know I think we um, are very proud of each other and I think we're very very supportive you know and yeah we have a fantastic open dialogue I think nothing's off the table you know that, that actually is really fascinating. Can you just, just pick up on some of those? So this notion of so generating this idea of a shared interest, a common passion, tapping into that, this notion of treating each other as equals, it's easier said perhaps than done, making it exciting, but sharing, being open to ideas, um, that this, this, um, mutu- this mutuality, which is a really, I think, mm-hmm. an interesting word, um, listening, mm. applauding, uh, and supporting each other, and then, and then finally, this this idea of this open dialogue, um, yeah. and I, I would agree with you in terms of of that. I, I've rarely felt that, but it has been fascinating being part of that community that has has grown around about these principles that we've created. So. And I, I guess you just sparked a thought there around. This this equals piece, and this is potentially something I felt when I was less experienced as a professional. This this piece around hierarchy, and I think I think in some organisations it is so much more structured. And there's nothing wrong with having that that role responsibility hierarchy you know absolutely you've got to have decision makers and all of that but the behaviors when I was younger often felt they are the leaders and you know I, I honestly do think I did behave differently in terms of they were sort of godlike um you know to to someone who was my peer or the same level and you know, I'd like to think that how I've always worked irrelevant of my level is I, you know, I will talk to the person, to people in exactly the same way. Um, so I do think that is quite present still in some organisations where I do think the hierarchy can be a barrier. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's encouraging everyone in the organisation to speak. Um, whoever to whomsoever they're speaking to in that way. I'm just slightly disappointed that you don't treat me like some godlike figure, but (laughs) that's unlikely to happen. Um, So let's let's go on to this whole idea of, 
you know, bringing people into the job and recruitment idea of diversity and um, uh, trying to, this idea of getting people who are the right fit in terms of skills. What have you got to say about this? What could organisations do in the recruitment space to promote diversity? I, so look, again, the recruitment story in terms of hiring people into business has massively evolved in a positive way over the years. So if you think back to, you know, again, maybe 10, 20 years ago, and I, I suppose some companies still do it now, where they have a very clear set of, this is the sort of person <laughs> that I that we will only hire into this company. So right back to, they can only come from a, you know, a red brick university, they can only have a 2-1, certain A-levels, I mean, the, 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 the specific, uh, very specific. And what has evolved is, is some flexibility around those education pieces, you know, or does it really matter if someone's got their degree from Leeds versus Kent versus, you know, wherever. So, now, but where where the companies were getting stuck by having quite a strict set of hiring criteria was one, it wasn't a diverse, thoughtful set of criteria, which ultimately impacts the diversity of the organisation. And this is exactly why we have a problem with diversity and leadership. This is exactly why leader positions are still male dominated and still you know white male dominated because over time the population of individuals progressing through has been all a consequence of who has been hired so we've got to be more thoughtful about the shift we can make at that hiring stage because that's where it all starts nothing else will change unless we we think about the hiring so it's helping helping companies think more about being comfortable with the thought of hiring talent and thinking about not needing we get very stuck in that okay so and so resigned oh my god I need someone to start tomorrow who can do this job hitting the ground running and I don't have to worry about them there is always going to be a place for that because there are certain skills that businesses need but there is also a place for, well, hey, hey, here's an idea. Why don't I think about hiring someone with potential and having a better learning journey and skill development um, you know, framework in place where I am nurturing, I'm developing, I'm giving an experience and that over time will bring a much richer diversity of thought and diversity um, in many other senses to that business. So what, um, what, what you're really saying here, if I may, sorry to interrupt, uh, we've got a row now from my wife, but uh, hopefully she's not listening. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, the, this idea of um, actually starting to think long-term. So... Yeah. If I may, so if I if I am recruiting now, I'm thinking I'm going to be in this job or this role maybe for five years, so I need to get somebody quick. What you seem to be suggesting is actually I need to be thinking 20 years from now because the position, the person that I bring in now 
might be yeah. a senior leader in this business in 20 years' time. So it yeah. is into into that. Is is that is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, yeah there's there's a in in many ways, yes, you know, because but it's not just about, you know, we we've got all the facts and figures on the reality of what leadership and board tables look like at the moment um, and where the, the diversity gaps are. And when you look, you know, two or three grades beneath them, there's still that lack of diversity. So nothing's going to change. So I think it's like a, a decade of get it right now, start now, and don't be complacent about it. Because if we're complacent, you're going backwards. You've got you, you've got to sort of action it. That will have a positive impact throughout the organization over a 10-year period. Um, but I but but my caution is there is still always a place for um you know, subject matter expert hires, and sometimes you have a very small talent pool, and you know that's that's just the way it is. Which again, hopefully, will evolve over time. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I think you've made some really fascinating points in there um, that uh, I haven't thought about before. So thank you for that. So so moving on to this idea of equality and equity, could you could you just help us here? How 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 do we differentiate between these two yeah and I'll be honest this is you know vulnerability this is something that I am very new to giving thought to so you know again I was part of a, a, a webinar recently which raised this point about equity and it got me thinking um some thoughts that I hadn't thought before so um If you think about equality versus equity in the workplace, you know, equality is, you know, the process of being equal where, you know, whether it's policies or everything you put in place as an organisation is equal, it doesn't necessarily create equity because individuals have different needs and different requirements. So what, what the dialogue is all about at the moment is, uh, I'm going to say, maybe as an HR director, you kind of think your job is done when you've gone, right, brilliant. We have put in place, um, you know, I don't know, a reward and benefits package that is equal and everyone has access to. But actually, the reality of the equity piece is, well, you know, we might have um, a wonderful thing around um childcare days well that's everyone has access to it but not everyone needs it so it's not particularly equitable so the where this has gone and again i need to give it more thought but where this has gone is around we have to take it to the next place now in large organizations you can't suddenly have um you know different things for different people to a great extent but again leaders being more thoughtful um, about actually you know people have different experiences look an example is say you have a single parent who (coughs) excuse me has to go and pick up their sick child from school and that parent might be more likely to get reprimanded for taking time off than 
the parent who is part of a um, you know, shared parenting where actually, you know, they're probably a much more present because someone else can go and help them. It's that kind of thing, which is around this equity piece. Um, so, yeah, it's early days in terms of my my thoughts around it. But what I do know is you can't have equity as a separate thing. You do still have to have the inclusion piece, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to come back just to this this idea of um, how how you change leaders' mindsets. Uh, we, we, we talked earlier on about yeah um, speaking to your people and asking how you feel. But so let, let's imagine I'm a CEO and I and I'm coming in, or you know, um, could be anybody coming into an organisation, and there's an identity. There's a there's there's certainly a, an issue having been identified in terms of diversity. There could be issues to do with the 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 uh, the, the the numbers that are relating to the business, um, just the general culture that you've picked up. What what do I do? What 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 you know over over a period of time? How do I tackle that? How do I judge whether or not I've been successful? Huh. That's a, that's, a, that's a big one. That's a big question, Don. <laughs> I like big questions. I'm not going to make How it do I measure way. if I've been successful? Well, if you're, look again, I mean, to use your example, you're a CEO coming into the business. I think you have to put aside, you know, recognising a leader is brilliant at what they do in terms of their technical capability. So a CEO coming into a business is, you know, a brilliant businesswoman or businessman yeah. in, in their own right. And just because they have a set of experiences previously, of which some are going to be very beneficial, of which some have really helped them learn what they don't want to do. I think if you're coming in new, you have to be prepared to shake all that off and have a bit of a neutral neutral blank piece of paper mindset so that you are going straight in there to seek to understand and I think that comes in a you know from a variety of angles you know certainly the relationship building that that one builds with their leadership team and challenging leadership team behaviors that might be a bit antiquated or um, need a fresh perspective or actually individuals need challenging to say look you know how you are choosing to lead is actually creating um, an environment where people aren't feeling particularly happy so you're, you're you're saying actually a ceo coming in needs potentially in 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 the circumstances should actually be actively challenging should should be i, I absolutely and i think if not we, ignoring it, yeah, correct. And that's not easy, right? And I think, but we've got to get to the place where we feel comfortable, where everyone feels comfortable to be challenged, to, to challenge when something's not right. And I think part of the problem is, particularly in, particularly in maybe institutions where there is such a 
legacy and a leadership team that have been there a long time, you, you can feel one against a hundred. And people go into avoid mode. Yeah. Um, actually, this, so <laughs> this, leads, this leads me on, to, if you don't mind me sharing just some well, thoughts I had yeah, um, yeah, around on International Women's Day with, you know, obviously the 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 whole concept of the 2021 Women's International Women's Day and the, the challenge. Um, and I saw on social media some wonderful, wonderful posts from women and men and leaders which spoke to that piece around being active and action. And but I also saw posts um, from individuals that I that, that I felt have been maybe asked by their head of HR, you need to go and post something. It's International Women's Day and you need to sit there and do this and you need to say, I support, you know, the, the women in my team. But what was not in their words was the action piece. And I bet your bottom dollar... I won't see another post from those people for another year. So this is about action. It's about reflecting on yourself and what you need to do differently, where you need to be brave um, and, 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 and try. All we can do is try. Yeah. And, 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 I, I, I really love what you're saying and you are challenging leaders. um, It's actually, and I think, a lot of leaders will, to use your word, will avoid. So let, let me take you down another track in this space in terms of where where should diversity and inclusion lie as a priority for me as a leader? So again, let's, let's take a hypothetical situation. I'm coming in and the numbers for my business, the sales numbers for my business are really poor, okay? And I have been recruited by the board to come in and turn those numbers around. So obviously the solution to that is I'm going to spend the first year just getting the sales right. And once that's right, I'm going to turn my head to diversity and inclusion. I suppose you you would agree with that, would you? Well, two things come to my mind. I think, first of all, who's going to be at the heart of turning that business around? It's not going to be you as a leader on your own. It's going to be all of your people. And if your people, and I, I would question with a business that is struggling, absolutely, I mean, this last year is a perfect example, the uncontrollable things that you, you know, are out of your hands as a business leader are going to take over. There ain't nothing you can do about it. However, there are many other things that I truly believe have an impact on where on, on the bottom line and how successful a business is so I always say a leader has to think about three elements to their role their leadership of themselves how they are showing up every day their leadership of others i.e their people and leadership of the business so they all go hand in hand and I would argue that even though absolutely by the end of year one the CEO needs to change the direction of those numbers I feel that that can't be an exclusive activity. And actually, to get to those numbers by 
absolutely changing and rebuilding an environment that clearly needs change, that will be a massive part of that. But, you know, that we can't control recessions and, you know, uh, um, those those kind of things. But, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I, 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 you make a very, very compelling case there. And yet you will, you will appreciate that there are many leaders, men and women, who, who will sometimes put those into those order. But I think the case that you make, you have to be addressing these things together. It's not one over the other. Um, it isn't. And it's not easy, right? No one is saying, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm saying all of this, yeah. but none of us will ever be the perfect leader. We all have our, our um, weaknesses or the things that we're not as conscious of. Um, and we are always going to make mistakes. But if a leader is being brave and is trying, I believe that is such a big difference, you know. Um, and if you try and you make a mistake, then, you know, well done you for trying, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 no, thank you for that. So we've talked quite a bit about, you know, from the top, the CEO role. What are the what are the other alternatives to to top down? You know, what is what can an organisation do to you know? You were talking earlier on about you know leaders challenging their colleagues and whatever. How do you create an environment where everyone in the organisation can play this role and and is is um, you know given permission or encouragement to actually address address this? What how do we go about that? Yeah, I look. I think that is. Um... Again, something that won't happen overnight. I think this is about companies sort of, you know, peeling the onion, getting a magnifying glass over where those gaps are and rebuilding those gaps. Now, to do that, and I think I think what often happens is the leaders get round a table together and go, right, this is what we do, because leaders potentially just think they instinctively know this will fix it well it might it might it might be brilliant but it might be a plaster and for anything to stick in an organization in all honesty you have got to get buy-in and the only way to get buy-in is for involving your people to come up with ideas in the first place um and that you'll always have individuals who won't participate or always be contrary or always you know think oh that idea is rubbish there will always be but I would say they're a minority I think you give people the opportunity to have a voice and there's many ways you can do it I mean people love things like focus groups you know people love a bit of a break from the the day-to-day and they love getting around a table with you know, 20 other people and flip charts and going, oh, what, what, what could we do? What could we do? Get creative. And, and you know, leaders can be very clear and say, look, we're not going to be able to do everything, but we would really value your input and you helping us build the future and success of this company. So I think it, it, it's the responsibility on inclusion is on everybody. So start as you mean to go on by including everybody on things that are all linked to culture you know they don't you don't need to include them on every business decision that's just not reality but there are things you can yeah yeah great practical suggestions you need 
Let, let me just take you to two, just um, as we move towards the end of the interview, um, just of um, the idea about quotas and data. Um, if I take you to quotas, first of all, what, what, what's your view on quotas in terms of diversity and inclusion? What, 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 do we, what should we be doing about that? Um, I, I'll be, <laughs> I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit, Don, on this one, but I, 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 have, I have rationale as to why. So um, I have been in an environment where quotas were used and, for example, on senior level promotions and making sure that there was a stronger fairness in terms of male, female quotas of those promotions. And so I think in theory, I actually liked the bravery and the uh, thoughtfulness around it to say, look, we want to make a difference. What I experienced some of the time was what I would call probably a bit of positive discrimination and a little bit of, well, hang on a minute, we're looking at these two people and their readiness and the person who is more ready from all the aptitude and interviews and everything that we've done happens to be the white male. Yet, because this woman was a little bit behind but close enough she got put through so I do think the consequence sometimes of quotas is behaviors will change and people are particularly in some organizations and I do agree with this that you know some leaders are bonused on um, more of a balanced scorecard um but I wonder if it it creates some behaviours that might not be the right ones. Um, so that's why I sit on the fence, because I do think it's, it makes it more present having quotas. I think it raises awareness. I think it gets leaders thinking about it. And I think most leaders do approach it in the right way. But I think others might, um, I don't know, I suppose the, not playing the system. I can't think of the right words, but I think you know what I'm saying, right? I, I, I do know what you're saying, but I suppose I, you know, I take you back to your idea about starting to take that 10, 20 year view of things where yeah, yeah maybe maybe this person isn't as good as that person in this moment in time. But if we believe in our training and development opportunities, actually this will have the longer term view. So there's a yeah. there's a another side to it which you know I hadn't thought about until you know our conversation today. So yeah, there is. And you look, is, is any of these answers perfect? I don't think they are because I, I fully support that action is being taken by any of these measures, which I think is a hell of a lot more of a difference than has happened before. But I just think there is always be just a bit of caution needs to be applied um, so that the right behaviours are still being displayed so and, and the, the sort of supplementary to this was round about the importance of data how important is data to an organization in terms of of the diversity and inclusion agenda look i um i would argue very important and the reason i say that well there's a there's a few points behind it but 
from my experience, and maybe I've got my sort of HR director hat on, and you know, from my experiences, I always get a very strong feeling of what needs to change in a in a business or in a culture or an environment or a leader. I get a strong feeling, but I have also learned that you know, Sinead O'Brien turning up at the that said leader's door going, oh, I, I've absolutely identified what you need to change. That's not necessarily going to, you know, win her or him over. Um, so I think you, you absolutely need data to foundationally, A, understand the status quo, B, have a bit of reflection as to what you want that data to look like yeah. one, two, three, four years in advance um and secondly it can really inform leaders as to the size of a problem and actually it can have quite a lot of power in getting um investment you know signed off you know actual money assigned to truly need doing things that you need to do in an organization to, to make a difference so I think data has to be part of any decision that's made, but I think it's very informative and it keeps you on on track to achieve what you need to achieve. Um, and yeah, and and not rely on the the Schneider Brian feeling of you know <laughs> this is what this is what I believe you need to do. <laughs> so so let let just just start to close off our conversation with this. Uh, kind of close the circle because we started off. First question was, you know, what what wouldn't it look like? What would a good, what would a bad culture look like? I want to connect us back though to the role of leadership here. What yeah. what what does the ideal leader in this world look like in terms of male female? So, but in terms of their behaviour, um, what what would be the key characteristics that would mark out a leader that is is transformational in terms of diversity and inclusion what would you what should we be looking out for you know I think the things that I have always noticed and observed around strength of leadership that's having an impact firstly it's around their ability to 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 listen because if they have the ability to truly listen, then they will be taking in a multitude of perspectives, points of view, ideas, and what the positive that comes with that is the ability to keep evolving and you know not always play catch up in terms of trying to fix a culture. So I think listening and open-mindedness is is very important I think a leader who um I I I was shared these four words by a colleague in my last job which I think I've shared with you Don and I will share with anyone who listens and it is to care personally challenge directly so I think a leader who can find balance in terms of be human be empathetic but don't avoid the difficult conversations, you know, and I think you get leaders who could be on either end of the spectrum that they are too direct and too challenging and or too supportive and actually never making a, a decision. 
but I think a, a, I think a great leader finds balance in that. They don't avoid. They can have difficult conversations, but they can have it in a human and empathetic way. Um, I mean, I could go on if I'm honest. On I think <laughs> I think there's so many um, important elements of leadership, but I think um, those those are probably stand out for me. But what I mean, what would you add, or or what were your thoughts on that? Well, I, I this has been a remarkable conversation. Uh, I've I've drawn so much from this. Um, for for me, uh, I think it is about challenge. I I, I love your, I love this notion of um, change personally and challenge care personally, challenge so, care, care personally and challenge directly. And I think. I think if I reflect back on my own leadership career, actually too often I ignored behaviour just because um, it was maybe easier to, it was easier to walk by on the other side. And yeah. I think as I've got older and uglier, or maybe I've always been this latter of the two, um, I think I think that the, the obligation, and I think it's something that you and I have talked about, it's not a as leaders, we should not be choosing what to do. We should be obliged to, to do this. And I think that's where you shift into that space, where as a leader, you're obliged to take action. You're obliged to challenge. Um, I think that's what can make the greatest difference. Um, so today, that's yeah. been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for that, for our, our first of our new series of uh, Kianis Conversations. And I'm no, sure Thank you. That was great. people are going to enjoy listening to this. Oh, I hope so. Nice, nice talking about it. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you for joining us on Kiana's Conversations. I hope you enjoyed listening to Sinead O'Brien giving her views and perspectives on diversity and inclusion. Our second series of podcasts will be posted every Thursday morning on a weekly basis and I look forward to welcoming you to those sessions in the coming weeks.